welcome to Commedia del Cinema. I'm one of your hosts, Emily Walborn. I'm your other host, Jordan Wold. And this is the podcast where we talk about comedy movies, what makes them funny, who the funny people that made them were, and what the funny audiences thought of the funny movies. Mm-hmm. Everyone involved has to be uproarious. You have to be. Mm-hmm. No other way to do it. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Lena Dunham's 2010 feature, Tiny Furniture. Tiny Feature Furniture. Mm-hmm. That's great. Tiny Furniture. Lena Dunham's film that came out in 2010 and set the set the mumblecore world ablaze. Again. Again. Um, Almost a, oh, I guess like five years after all the the boys had their crack at it. Mm-hmm. The boys had their turn, and Lena said, let me at it. She said, boys, 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 you've done enough. Andrew Duplass. What's the other guy's name? Uh, we haven't uh, covered. Swamberg. Swamberg. She says, Greta, Greta may have tried, but I'm going to get it done. <laughs> exactly. Well, what, what came out in 2010? 2010. I don't know if we've had a 2010 movie yet. I don't think we have. Some of the big mainstream comedy movies at the time, Get Him to the Greek, Due Date, The Other Guys, Easy A. Mm -hmm. And then you've got some indies and some things that are presented as indies but are probably studio productions, um, such as Submarine, Greenberg, a Bombeck and Greta Gerwig production, Uh, The Kids Are Alright and Beginners. Mm Mm-hmm. The latter two, which made pretty big award season buzz and were, mm-hmm. were pretty big for, for indie films. Um, I've seen Beginners, but I haven't seen The Kids Are Alright. I do remember getting The Kids Are Alright mailed to me via Netflix mm-hmm. um, and watching it with my mom and then being like, oh, this is maybe not the greatest one to watch with parents. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a lot of sex in it. Between Annette Benning and Julianne Moore? And Mark uh, Ruffalo? And Mark Ruffalo, yeah. Cool. I had no idea what it was about. I just knew it was an Oscar movie, mm-hmm. so I just rented it. I've and... never seen it. Is it that he's the sperm donor for their children? I couldn't tell you. I don't really have any memory of it, because other than feeling like maybe I shouldn't have watched this with my parents. Fair enough. Um, anyway, that's sort of the, the landscape of the time. There are a lot of big comedy movies made by people who maybe started in more indie spaces, like Zach Galifianakis is mm-hmm. a pretty huge mainstream comedy star at the time after coming out of alt-comedy. Um, well, and you can't forget the biggest comedy of the year. Hmm. Love on a Leash. What? And this movie is, quote, about a woman... Who cra- a woman craving love finds a homeless golden retriever that turns into a man at night. Oh, where was it? Was this movie released? <laughs> I don't think. Probably not. I'd have to imagine it was a VOD movie. Do was anyone big in it? No, I just saw that it was. I was like, <laughs> they have to have covered this on How Did This Get Made? I feel they probably have. Um, but also with things like Greenberg, which is a Ben Stiller movie, you kind of got. Big stars going to the indies as well as you have indie folks going to to the big movies. But 
nevertheless, there's certainly a, a space for a movie like Tiny Furniture mm-hmm. to, to come along. Absolutely. Indeed. Um, how What's the background of Miss Lena Dunham, and how did this movie come, come to be? Miss Lena Dunham, well, she got her start uh, making videos during college, mm-hmm. making shorts. Uh, she already actually had a feature before Tiny Furniture, creative nonfiction, which I don't know if you've seen. I haven't. I don't think it's... I don't think it's releasable in any form. Mm. I think it's only an hour long. I think she it was at South by Southwest as well. Mm. I could be wrong. But I, I believe she said that's where she met people like Merritt Weaver mm. and some of the other, and that guy. Oh, um, Alex Karpovsky. Yeah, that yeah. were in Tiny Furniture. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went to Oberlin. She is the daughter of two artists, mm-hmm. New York artists. Um yeah, and this was really her big break. So it's not really much to say, you know, leading up to this in her career, I'd say. Do you think had you gone to Oberlin, um, you know, five to ten years earlier, and you were a classmate of Lena Dunham, what do you think you would have thought of her in class? Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, she was the reason I didn't go to Oberlin. <laughs> I was deciding between Oberlin and Emerson, and I read her book where she had a lot of details about what life at Oberlin was like, and I thought to myself, I don't think I'd like that. So mm-hmm. I didn't go there. That's fair. Although, it, it in hindsight, it's kind of funny because I feel like the vibes at Oberlin and Emerson are probably, probably nearly identical. pretty similar. It seemed like Oberlin was a bit more... I don't know, like hippie esque mm-hmm. in a way, but that was just her time period too. You know, yeah, I don't know about when when we would have gone. That's true. Um, there aren't any mass holes at Oberlin. <laughs> no, there aren't any mass holes. There are o holes. Oberlin holes. Yeah. This movie costs anywhere from between twenty five to sixty five thousand dollars. Sources Whoa. are pretty pretty varied. Where did she get that money? It's a mystery. Um, that's not something I could find. Did you, you didn't no, find No, I it? couldn't even find the budget. I think, conservatively, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, because I'm guessing 65 is maybe, like, completing post what, after mm-hmm. it's gotten into film festivals already and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Shooting is probably 30 to 40k, mm-hmm. which is still pretty, um, pretty much nothing. Yeah, it's true. Considering, you know, she was the writer-director lead. Mm-hmm. Her, her mom, mom was the mom. Her sibling, sibling is was in it. In it. Uh, they used, I think, their parents, her parents' house, mm-hmm. you know, so. But, you know, that money probably gets you paying Merritt Weaver for three days mm-hmm. and paying a, a good up-and-coming cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's pretty much a no-budget movie, and it looks pretty great. It looks really good, actually. For Mumblecore, it looks quite good. Yeah, it looks like a professional movie, which is mm-hmm. really rare for anyone's first... I know she's technically made a feature, but essentially first actual finished movie mm-hmm. um, that sees the light of day, but especially one that stars really nobody. Mm-hmm. Um 
This movie stars nobody. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, she didn't go to film school. She just made movies at... At Oberlin. She's a creative writing major. Mm-hmm. And it was shot in 15 days, which is also pretty, pretty quick. Pretty good. Pretty quick. For an hour and 40 minute movie. Yeah, because you're doing like seven minutes a day, basically. Yeah. Uh, sure. And it was highly scripted. Not, yeah. Not improv which I think helps this particular movie a lot mm-hmm. because it I think if the characters are as are so unfocused the movie sometimes needs to be a little more focused so the whole thing doesn't feel right like a big shrug yeah um but what's what's the movie about um tiny furniture is about uh aura mm-hmm. who oh, I when I saw the way her name was spelled out I second guessed myself for what it how it was pronounced yeah because it's a-u it's o-r-r-a isn't it on every, online i read that it was like a-u-r-a or something like that well that's how i would expect aura to be oh so, i expected just because aura that's to be. the word oh how did you sure. expect you know what this is this part isn't interesting <laughs> <laughs> right in with how you would spell aura um okay she's home from she's finished school right so tiny furniture is about uh aura who is a recent college graduate from oberlin uh, moving back to new york to live temporarily with her family uh before she moves in with her old college friend Merritt weaver uh into their own apartment she gets a job as a day hostess at a restaurant you know she's kind of casually seeing some guys or hoping to see some guys um she reconnects with an old childhood friend played by jemima kirk mm-hmm, one of the girls mm-hmm. on girls that's right um she ultimately decides that she doesn't want to uh move out of her parents home just yet uh and doesn't tells Merritt weaver she can't move in with her uh, because her family needs her to stay at home with them, which isn't true, but she really needs to just be home mm-hmm. and in the comfort of her family. And I'd say that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Um, also, she tries to hook up with her coworker at uh, the restaurant she works at, but he's mm-hmm. mostly interested in seeing if she can get him Vicodin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have sex in a pipe on the street, mm-hmm. which leads That's to, I think, crazy. one of the funniest <laughs> scenes when when Aura tells her mom about what happened, and her mom asks what could be worse than than the street, and the answer is a pipe in the street. Um, yeah, that is quite a funny scene. Her, her mom is a very good actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she plays um, annoyed and... And just wants to work mm-hmm. uh, incredibly well. Yeah. Uh, what hallmarks of a mumblecore movie would you say Tiny Furniture hits? It's got the the sort of setting. The recent college grad who's unsure of what to do with their life. Mm-hmm. Um, the small cast. The whole feeling improv. Mm-hmm. Even though this movie is not improvised. It's got a lot of those hallmarks. Um, what it doesn't have is is sort of the uh, amateurish feel though mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. i think is maybe 
part of the reason why this can be this was slightly more of a breakover mm-hmm. success than a lot of mumblecore movies were. Do you think that this one and subsequent mumblecore movies with younger filmmakers are a bit more successful because they can have a more professional look more cheaply? Like, mm-hmm. I know uh, a lot of places talked about how this movie was shot on a Canon EOS mm-hmm. 7D, which I feel like is a pretty com like a more common camera mm-hmm. nowadays. You know, it's more of those those uh, DSLR type yeah. cameras that are more accessible to people, but still can provide um, a nice look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know so little about cameras, but that's generally kind of what I know. Well, I mean, HD digital um, photography looks a million times better than shooting on video, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of the earlier. Mumblecore. Mumblecore movies had to do because film stock was expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that do shoot on film uh, from that era look pretty cool, um, but also then they can't really light it very well, so a mm-hmm. lot of them end up doing black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's an early Alex Ross Perry movie that's shot on 16 millimeter, um, which is, looks cool, but yeah, it also looks really cheap, yeah. like a lot of those movies of the era do. But yeah, I think the fact that you could um, imagine watching this in a theater mm-hmm. um, certainly helps because like Puffy Chair did have a tiny theatrical release, and I liked the movie okay, but I have to imagine it would look like shit <laughs> in, in a theater. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Nowadays, it'd probably be even cheaper. You can make a movie on your iPhone. That's true. I mean. Yeah, the modern version of this probably would. Well, I guess actually the modern version is a Cooper Rafe. Yeah. Movie, but. Yeah, I was wondering if we should do one of Cooper's actually. That could be good. Would probably have to be Shit House. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, um, which is good, but. Going. But the. Cha cha. Cha cha real smooth is better. It is, but. Shit House is good too. Yeah. Um. What what do you think? Well, okay. First of all, I want to ask you know what you think makes the movie funny and work at times. Mm-hmm. But before that, I remember you mentioned while we were watching it that your perception of what it would be and of what sort of Lena Dunham's work is was mm-hmm. much different than you would expect. So, you want to expound on that a bit? Sure. Um. Yeah, I have never watched anything she's written or directed. I didn't have HBO in high school, so I didn't really get on that mm-hmm. girl's wave. Um, so I, I missed out on that. Tiny Furniture, I think I mentioned last episode, had been in my Netflix queue for like two years. Mm-hmm. And the longer things sit in your queue, the less likely you are going to be to watch them. That's so it true. got to a point where I just knew I was never going to watch it. Mm-hmm. And then I think it left Netflix. So yeah. there you go. That's sad. Uh, I've, I'm sure I've seen her. In th- I, I know I've seen her in things. You've seen like, her in This Is 40. Yeah. I mean, I've seen her acting in things. But I didn't, I didn't have a real clear sense of what her comedic sensibility was. was. Mm-hmm. I, I, kinda, I guess I kind of took it 
from just all the talk about her in the press, which is probably what adds to all of the perceptions of mm-hmm. of her. Um, I think I just kind of was informed by that more than anything. And so I was I was kind of expecting her to be uh, very, I don't know, not over the top, but uh, a bit more, hmm, how can I describe it? Not, not crass, but like, uh, hmm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I think so. Maybe more like didactic feminist. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like per- giving more of a political screed than doing yes. a than making comedy. Yes. So I was really surprised then when we watched this that it was it was a lot more subtle than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was reading about how around this time and ushered in by Judd really mm-hmm. is the comedy of embarrassment mm-hmm. and that idea of uh, of kind of more modern audiences relating more to that kind of humor rather than, you know, a Buster Keaton physical comedy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Charlie Chaplin slap, you know, those kind of slapstick physical comedy mm-hmm. um, movies that more modern audiences can appreciate like relatability in comedy more mm-hmm. and wanting to see that more wanting to uh laugh at you know oh that awkward moment when you have a crush on the guy you work with and mm-hmm. he shows up to your art opening you know right that very relatable moment it's happened to everyone <laughs> um but i think that she she takes that um, in kind of a more subtle way than I think a lot of like Judd movies do. They, mm-hmm. Those are a bit um, bigger with those moments, especially in like 40-Year-Old Virgin and um, mm-hmm. things like that. They're going for kind of more the out-and-out comedy of mm-hmm. it, whereas her movie, I feel like, was more uh, was more subtle and relatable in kind of the mumblecore of it like it was a nice middle ground between uh, a funny haha who is so relatable and awkward to like a 40 year old virgin which is awkward but outwardly laugh out loud funny you know it was kind of like in between those two i'd say yeah and you can see sort of why that would appeal to judd yes and would convince him to want to work with her on whatever her next thing was because because as a producer, he doesn't necessarily dictate anyone's voice. He more helps them shape. Yes. Shape it into whatever their own thing is. And I think with her in particular, you can feel in this movie that she's um, really close to getting her voice right. And is, I think, mm-hmm. pretty much there when it comes to directing, especially. Yeah. Um, but there are some... I think some vestiges of just it being in mumblecore mm-hmm. that she can move out of a bit when she gets into girls mm-hmm. and does something a little more sleek, which yeah. I think suits her a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think a, a thing about the it, the comedy of embarrassment is very 
it, it's used to a point that I think a lot of people misunderstand, mm-hmm. or at least used to, because a lot of her work is being sort of reappraised in recent years. But I think a lot of people would look at the characters that she would write and direct for herself and sort of hate the character mm. um, for being like a whiny uh, an entitled brat mm-hmm. and not get that that's sort of what she's what going. the joke is yeah which kind of, I don't know it's kind of bizarre that that was ever a thing because it's clear that yes it's bizarre she, that that was everything as in that people, people didn't get didn't it get that that was the joke she was making. yeah okay because it seems so clear that yes she is that person but also she gets that it's laughable yeah. in some way to <laughs> to be that person still and gets right. why other people well know. and i think that it's also i now i haven't seen girls but i think that it's also you know a, obviously commenting on how entitled you are at in your 20s mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. right after college and you're waiting you know you you want to start your life your ambitions you don't really know how to go about it but you know that you are going to do it mm-hmm. and there's kind of a, an entitlement to that that i think she captures really well and there's that there's that scene in the movie where her friend um what's her friend's name Jem- jemima kirk the jemima actress kirk yeah. is over there help over at her house helping her pick out an outfit for her date um and her mom comes in and they have an exchange and she asks jemima are you as entitled as my daughter? And she responds, "Oh, I'm much worse." Mm. <laughs> um, so I think that I think that kind of caps captures a lot of what she's kind of going for in this movie. And I think in in at least girls, mm-hmm. probably not uh, the birdie movie. Probably not. I think that's not very you know autobiographical <laughs> in any way. Um, but yeah, another scene like that is with the guy who she's already been. She's already been letting this sleazy guy, played by Alex Carbop. Carbop. Oh. Oh, God. Blooper reel. Um, I have it written down, and I pronounced it earlier. You... Karpovsky. There oh, we yeah. go. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's been letting him stay over for a few days, mm-hmm. and her whole family knows this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, she asks her mom, in a way that's like basically identical to... <laughs> asking if like a friend can sleep over in middle school and Mm -hmm. like she's already invited the friend to stay (laughs) over um like it's so clear that it's just a a well-done version of an arrested development type you know character yeah like you would see in a lot of judd movies Mm -hmm. i feel like um yeah I, i also read an interesting piece that talked about how uh it's at its core kind of a mother daughter mm-hmm. movie as well and you know how she goes from kind of being in competition with her sister for mother's mm-hmm. attention um saying she has she can't move in with her friend because her her mom really needs her which is kind of the opposite of the truth right um to finally at the end scene getting to her mom invites her to like mm-hmm. sleep in her bed that night you know and the kind of like feeling of needing your parents right after college mm-hmm. into you know and, and feeling like you're not fully ready for adulthood and kind of reverting back to mm-hmm. how you were as a kid when you're home i feel like that's kind of relatable as well yeah um and 
And I think it it's really important that the movie understands her mom's perspective mm-hmm. as well, especially when her mom asks her, like, do you even like living here? Because her aura has such a need to be there and is putting off doing anything adult mm-hmm. and yet also is an adult now and kind yeah. of hates certain aspects of, of living at home. Yeah. Yeah. The the scene at the end where she gets invited into the bed, I did find a little bit unsettling in a way that I'm like, I don't know. I think it works, certainly. Okay. But there's like a little bit of, um, and I think it's just because she is like a more um, technically accomplished director than a lot of Mumblecore people. Uh-huh. But there is like a slightly unsettling undertone to that scene of just sort of like... A, How so? It just feels like a kind of creepily codependent rich family that like, oh, Mm -hmm. none of these people are super (laughs) well adjusted. And this is kind of, yeah you know, they all kind of can really only relate to each other. Yeah, I think that's, I think that comes across kind of throughout the movie too. And maybe that's, maybe that's part of the joke that people don't also get with her work is Mm -hmm. kind of pointing out that yeah there's like uh there's a privilege in these kind of artsy new york families that you know she's able to relate really well to her her childhood friend and Mm -hmm. feels very safe at home but outside of those circles she doesn't quite really know how to interact with people like she doesn't know how to really interact with her co-workers Mm -hmm. at the restaurant she can kind of understand this other comedy guy, but, you know, I think more than anything, she just wanted to sleep with him, and he didn't want yeah. to sleep with her. It was, <laughs> but, yeah, actively <laughs> But, you know, like, she kind of understood him, too, because he, you know, he's kind of putting on airs about selling TV shows and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, I, I think that there is, she is kind of showing a codependency throughout the whole movie that, I mean, you can see with her sis you know her sibling and the mm-hmm. and the mom too and their relationship and yeah yeah um who were there any any I, there aren't a lot of characters in the movie but which performances were you i liked her most friend of? the most oh yeah jemima kirk yeah um, she was very funny <laughs> the bit where you're like grinding on a teenage boy and then cut to her coming in like they're out of control. It's <laughs> really great. She's she's very funny. Yeah, I think I'll I think I'll have to check out Girls. I, I quite liked this movie, and I'd be yeah interested in seeing what she can do um, in uh, with more money and you know mm-hmm. with full control, creative control over everything. Not that she didn't have that on this, but you know, like more control over a full series. Yeah, which happens quite quite soon after after mm-hmm. this movie because this is released at the end of 2010 mm-hmm. gets in it wins the indie spirit for um for i think first screenplay Best first screenplay. yeah mm-hmm. uh, makes a few hundred makes like three four hundred thousand which for a mumblecore movie is like crossing the hundred million that's awesome barrier i know whoever invested in her movie made their money back yeah because the marketing budget was probably like ten thousand dollars yeah um, it led to her getting a blind script deal with HBO, mm-hmm. where 
a, a leaked pitch document is much maligned on the internet because she doesn't mention any characters or anything, but just talks about the type of Here's character the thing. that she wants to, yeah. Here's the thing. I feel like that kind of feeds into a lot of people's perception of her. Mm-hmm. And while maybe you could read that as kind of entitled, oh, she got this script deal and she doesn't even know the characters mm-hmm. she's going to write. She also didn't go to film school. <laughs> you know, like, she, there's a very good chance she just is trying to figure it out just like everybody is when they start. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't really seen it, but I have a feeling that plays into a lot of the perception of her as well yeah and i want to pull this up actually because it's it's another thing where it's wild to me that anyone ever thought it thought oh this is a horrible pitch because it's just a description of of what she wants to do with the show which is what a pitch should be starting off by by comparing to other shows, talking about how it's about the space between um, adolescence and adulthood. Like, it's a good pitch. They're the last children of baby boomers and the first generation to have moms who know how to text message. Um, you know, that, that sort of thing where it's yeah, like... You're yeah, you're giving that's... the tone of the show. Right. Uh, and so, and are you saying people don't? don't like it because she doesn't mention characters yeah people were like this isn't even a pitch of the show because who what's it about and it's like well she's telling you what it's about (laughs) okay but here's the thing not not everybody went to emerson college and took a tv pitch class which i did take but Mm -hmm. it's like you know that's a very very specific class that a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't get (laughs) yeah and also like the new girl pitch is pretty similar it just happens to mention some yeah you know more concrete details Mm -hmm. um but anyway, yeah, she also I saw was writing a Dash and Lily adaptation around she was, the time. Which so so <laughs> Scott Rudin hired her to write the adaptation yeah. for Dash and Lily, which then didn't come so that's 2010, mm. 11, around those that time. Um which Dash and Lily didn't come out until twenty twenty. Lena mm. Dunham wasn't attached to that in any way. So No, I mean can the that sounds like true development hell. 10 years for Dash and Lily? Mm-hmm. For Dash and Lily? But then it came out and set the world on fire. <laughs> Look, I like the show. I think it's cute. Yeah. But I can't imagine uh, like somebody working on that for 10 years, like any kind of you know, producer, development exec floating that around for 10 years. Mm-hmm. That sounds wild to me, but yeah. yeah. Well, to whoever was holding on to the rights in those years, you did it. Congratulations. <laughs> They must have been stoked when it came out. <laughs> yeah. With Lana Condor? No. Nope. I just assume nope. it's that sort of show. <laughs> that, That's that she's fair, gonna be but in no, it, you know? it's not. <laughs> no, she's... Um, I forgot her name, but she's great. Um, let me pull her up. Stay tuned. We're, we're going to shortly announce who was in Dash <laughs> well, and Lily. Well, it's Dash's Austin Abrams. Oh, that guy, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Lily was Midori Francis, who you... Musical guest. Midori Francis. Okay. Yeah, I've seen her. She was most notable... Well, she's in Sex Lives of College Girls. Oh. And you and I saw her in that uh, Afterlife of the Party. 
Was oh, Victoria she was the Justice. best friend in that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah oh, she's, she's really good. good. Yeah. She's really good. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe someday I'll have to watch Dash and Lily. I'll watch it again. It's cute. It's Christmas set, right? Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sure, let's talk about Dash and Lily. It's uh, set uh, around Christmas. They are like, uh, writing notes essentially to each other don't know who each other are and mm. kind of doing an adventure around new york i see and then finally meet each other of course i okay i could i could see what the lena version of that yeah, would be yeah yeah cute. it'd be like probably slightly more john greenish mm -hmm. um but i assume it is anyway mm -hmm. um anyway uh girls was a, a big hit and mm -hmm. and also very controversial some controversies directly brought on by Lena Dunham herself, um, for which mm -hmm. she should be should be blamed, and then some which were just kind of blown out yeah. of proportion. Last month, she she posted that she's been sober for five years now. Oh, which I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, considering how many drugs her character does in Girls, I'll say a good outcome, <laughs> um, because they're the exact same, and you know. There's no fictionalization in a, in a show like that whatsoever. Never. Um, but yeah, very controversial show, but it lasts six years. It launches the career of Adam Driver. Kylo himself. He plays Kylo Ren on Girls. Uh, yeah. It's so scary. Kylo had a few he's years always, there. He's always swinging his lightsaber around, threatening to kill all the girls. Yeah. Uses force on them. He's a very problematic character. <laughs> well, he is a somewhat problematic character. Um, Mostly because of the force and lightsaber stuff. And being, oh, a Sith Lord? Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, he's great on that show. Also notable about that show, every one of the main girls has parents with Wikipedia pages. <laughs> All of them? <laughs> All of them. So I know Lena and Allison Williams, obviously, Brian Williams' daughter. Yeah. And then who's Jemima Jemima Kirk's, Kirk's I'm not parents. sure who her parents are, but, um, you know, another one of the girls is Zasha Mamet. Zasha, oh, right. David, David Mamet's daughter. daughter. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> Let's see who Jemima and Lola Kirk's parents are. Okay, parents are Simon and Lorraine Kirk. English drummer. Dad's a drummer. Okay. Um, her mom is an interior designer and the owner of Geminola, okay. a vintage clothing boutique. So rich, but not famous, I would assume. Okay. So she's on a different, she's on a lower level than them because she's rich, but her parents aren't famous. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> you know, when everyone got signed on, the call sheet was based on the combination <laughs> of rich Okay, what what do you think's the call list number for girls? IRL, well, or based on that? No, 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 IRL. Well, I mean, Lena's one. Lena's one. Allison Williams was two. Okay. Although I like to think that when the Brian Williams scandal came out, they dropped her to five. <laughs> um, I think third is probably Adam Driver. Really? Above the other girls? I would guess above some of them. Mm. Some of them kind of drop in and out. Um, for seasons here and there, then probably Jemima Kirk, then prob then Zasha Mamet. Mm. I would guess. 
I can't comment because I've never seen the show. And then later on, once Andrew Rannells gets in the main cast. Andrew Rannells is in it? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I don't care for his character, but maybe... Maybe I'll think differently next time I watch. But I think then he probably gets pretty high in the, mm-hmm. in the on the call sheet as well. Well, I mean, I guess it would depend on how they initially assign the girls, though, because usually it won't change throughout production. Fair. So they'll be the same throughout. So uh-huh. if Andrew Reynolds comes later, he might be lower, just simply because they've already used the numbers. Fair. He's a guest star, I think, for probably his first few seasons on the show, and then a regular for a couple of years. So he might be low. So might sorry, be in Mr. Reynolds. How horrible. <laughs> um, anything else you'd like to? Well, I guess we should just mention what she's been up to lately. Um, she made Catherine called Bert- Birdie, mm-hmm. which people really liked. Um, she's doing something else soon, isn't she? I don't know. I know she made another movie last year, Sharp Stick, which kind of kind of disappeared, and she directs an EP's industry. Oh. Um, but she went away for a while, and now is, I think, back at a level that a lot of people find more palatable, I guess. Because <laughs> um, it's sort of the thing where if someone pops up and is everywhere right. for a while. And know. is a woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially. <laughs> um yeah, it's interesting. I, I I think it's cool that she's doing a lot more directing because based on Tiny Furniture, she's always been an excellent director. Really. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, there was some, some piece I read that was a Tiny Furniture-specific interview where she talked about how she liked acting fine mm-hmm. in that, but, but doesn't anticipate doing it forever because her range is people... Who are like her mm-hmm. in some way and she wants to not be able to just you do, know do movies about yeah. herself i can imagine that's tough especially when uh, the whole world turns against you mm. <laughs> and you're playing someone similar to yourself mm-hmm. baxter anything you'd like to say about your favorite uh actor writer director lena dunham he's standing up staring at the mic he has so much to say about lena Baxter, why do you think uh, Lena's creative partner, Jenny Connor, and, and Lena split up abruptly? He says he doesn't want to comment on okay. that. Okay, Bax, I get it. He says he's friends with both and wants <laughs> to stay out of it. He's neutral. That's admirable, Bax. <laughs> well, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are covering Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig's Francis Ha. It'll be our second movie in the series with Ha in the title. So Mumblecore, maybe uh, like a secondary quali- qualification for a Mumblecore movie is like not required, but nice to have Ha in the title somewhere. Mm-hmm. Be- or, or have some kind of reference to furniture. Puffy chair, Puffy tiny chair. furniture. That's true. It has to be one of the two of those. Tiny puppy chair. Or it has to be someone's name, which I feel like is another category of uh, mumblecore. It has to have like an object, ha, or someone's name. Yeah. Or just kind of like a stupid phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
nights and weekends. Uh-huh. Um, Hannah takes the stairs. Sure. That's got a name and... And ob- objects and stairs. And objects and stupid, stupid <laughs> phrase. Um, Cyrus. Cyrus, yeah. Sword of trust, object, mm-hmm. yep. and stupid phrase. Baghead. Baghead. That's not really any of them. But. No. That one breaks the mold. Also, your sister's sister is a little more of a traditional title, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really pulled a number on us with that one. <laughs> they went real traditional there. Lynn, you, you made a good choice. <laughs> Um, we're, we're almost done with Mumblecore <laughs> as a whole. So before we completely wrap up, how have, you, have your opinions on Mumblecore changed in any way from watching several of these movies? Okay. So the thing is, I've liked all the movies we've watched. Uh-huh. Um, I have to say I've, it's almost those sours beyond Mumblecore just because we're, it just feels kind of like a chore to watch, mm-hmm. watch it every week when I don't necessarily want to watch it every week mm-hmm. we were gonna we were had planned to do a tiny fur- furniture francis ha double feature mm-hmm. and i i had to turn to you and say i can't watch another one of these mm-hmm. today i as much as i really enjoyed tiny furniture it mm-hmm. went up to a four for me today mm-hmm. i can't do it <laughs> well and listener get this even before that planned double feature we had planned on watching Puffy Chair and Tiny Furniture in the same night. Honestly, though, if we had watched Tiny Furniture uh, and after pu- Puffy Chair, I, I would have been like, okay, at least Tiny Furniture was good. I mean, yeah, side by side, it would be a pretty stark yeah. comparison. Or or I wouldn't have liked it as much because I would have been so tired of it. Mm-hmm. They should do um, Rumblecore, which is Mumblecore, <laughs> but your seat is shaking the whole time <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have what what have, what are your kind of thoughts so far on Mumblecore before we hit the last one no real differences in terms of thought it's a genre that i think is um often poorly done mm-hmm. just because it's so easy to make an entry mm-hmm. technically but nevertheless eh, i love the genre so i i think it is like ugh. I I do like all of the ones that I you know we've watched and I like them because they are different and they're kind of similar to plays which I like mm-hmm. um but I just there's just something about it that is also exhausting <laughs> Is there any other genre that you find similarly like good but exhausting Uh I don't know. I'd have to think on that. Interesting. Any, anything you would, you would guess for me? For you? I don't know. No, I don't know. I mean, I know for me it's like a very different thing, but reality TV. But it's like oh, a, but yeah. it's not that those are good. It's more just like as much as I enjoy it, I can only take so much. Yeah. And see, that's where I, I could watch that all day long. Mm. And I often, if I'm watching Survivor, I do watch it all day long. That's fair. Although it's a bit different when there's a competition angle. Because that's going to keep you hooked, you know. It's true. Anyway. Okay, Francis well. Francis Ha. 
Francis Hall next week. Follow us on Instagram at Comedia del Cinema. I will start posting again. I I forgot for the past couple weeks. <laughs> but I'm going to do one big post of everything I've missed, and then I'll try to keep up with uh, what's coming out new new every week. So, uh, And on Twitter at... At, uh, what is it? Comedia del... Oh, so have you been posting too? I've missed a couple weeks. <laughs> You know, search Comedia Del Cinema. You're going to find it. It's not. Um, leave us a review mm-hmm. on iTunes um, as long as it's nice. If it's mm-hmm. not, email us at ComediaDelCinema at gmail.com. And take up your issues with us personally, okay? Don't, don't hide behind an iTunes review. Don't be a troll. I will say, the next person who leaves us a five-star review, I'm going to give $5. <laughs> You but can't you do have this to for everybody. <laughs> I'm the next person. Okay. That's it. Okay. I'll do Just, it today. No. <laughs> it can't be someone associated with the show. Baxter. Baxter, quick. He can't do it either. Baxter, quick. Log on to your iTunes. Baxter, use the desktop computer and log into your iTunes. He's still got one of those big blue classroom Macs. <laughs> Yeah, he has it in his room. <laughs> <laughs> With a gaming chair. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds awesome. 